Hey guys, Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I just wanted to share uh, one of the platforms we use uh, for our podcast. Uh, it's called Anchor. Uh, it is a free platform. They have creation tools that allow you to record, edit uh, your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, most, most all the platforms that you want to reach, you can, you can reach through Anchor. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, again, it's free and it's called Anchor. Have a great day. Three, two, one. This is Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I'm on here with Adriana Gavazzoni, and she is a a Amazon top author. She's got awards um, that that just don't end if you go to her website. Um, so I, I've been doing a little research there, but she's joining us today. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about in depth about her new book and the three books that she wrote previous to that. Um, hopefully, we have time to touch on all of that and what gives her the, that inspiration. So, Adriana, I'm going to go ahead and give you an opportunity now to tell the audience about who you are, where you come from, a little bit about your life story, um, and then let's get into into the books. Oh, hello, Dion. Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity to be here with you today. Oh, I'm from Brazil. I'm a writer and I've been a lawyer for 30 years. And uh, at one point in my life, I told myself I had to fulfill my goal of being a writer, of becoming a writer. So when I was 45 years old, I decided to write my first novel just for myself, not for others, just for me, for my pleasure. And it brought me great happiness. After a while, a friend of mine convinced me to publish. I've published, got some great awards. And yesterday, my first novel became a bestseller on Amazon in women's writers category. So I'm very happy and very proud of my writing career. That, that's amazing. And so... Uh, as I touched on, you know, you've wrote, this is now your fourth book, um, and I'm going to go down the line, and these may not be in the order you wrote them, or maybe they are, but I'm, I'm kind of just going through, uh, looking on the website, so uh, it says number one behind the door. Was that your first book? It was my first novel. And what was that? T- t- give us a little highlight on what that, what, what that was about, and then um, kind of what, what the, dr- the drive behind it is, like what the storyline drive behind that book was. Uh, This book is a psychological and erotic thriller, and it was inspired uh, by uh, my experiences as a lawyer, but also as uh, being a godmother for some time of a shelter for abused children. Mm -hmm. One of my characters uh, was abused uh, in her childhood, and I show in this book how an abused children is going to grow what is going to happen to abused children. Uh, It's a way to open the eyes of people about what can happen inside their own homes. Uh, Many, many times my experience uh, showed me that uh, the children are abused by step parents, 
uncles, aunties, relatives, they are very close people, the children uh, should trust and betray yeah. their, their trust. Sometimes even parents, even fathers, yeah. and uh, it's very sad. And the results of that are tough in a, in a, in a person's life because it's something a, children, a, a child can never forget. Right. And it's going to mark uh, the rest of his or her life. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to show that in my books. It's a trilogy. It's Behind the Door, Lara's Journal, and The Brilliant Game. And uh, it talks about uh, psychological problems, main of all, caused by abuse. So it's uh, it's a mix of genres, of course. Uh, it has serial killers. It has murder, mystery, action. But there is a character that shows what the, what can happen in the life of an abused children, abused child. Very, very, uh, very cool. And so, does this follow? Each book follows kind of a, a, a different character storyline, um, or is it one character throughout the series? There are two main characters. Okay. Uh, one of the main characters is a psychiatrist. She deals with uh, paraphilias. There are strange sexual behavior. And the other character is a woman uh, who was killed by her boyfriend during one of the sex games. And so the two stories cross. And during the stories, uh, murders start to happen. And uh, for the three books, it's the story of these two characters. Main of all, the, girl, the murder girl and the psychiatrist. Okay, so it kind of goes and tells that story and, and then the, the adventure starts there. Um, very, very interesting. And, and so we got behind the door, we got Laura's journal, journal and then we got the brilliant game. And now your newest book out is Sketches of Life. What is that book about? It's uh, an action and adventure book placed in a historical context. It's about a girl born between uh, First and Second World War and how she deal to overcome all the obstacles of a war, of losing uh, a sister for the Nazis, and how she had uh, to face the world in order to survive in a very, very young age. Uh, the other girl, there are two girls, I love two characters in my stories. Uh, the other girl lost everything and she needs to survive. In order to survive, she becomes a secret agent for an organization. And it also shows how she's going to face the world. So it's all about women uh, fighting for survival in the world in turmoil. So it, it, it touches on basically the life of women we have today still, because uh, really yeah. women are still fighting today for survival and they're still trying to fight to, to overcome kind of a biased society that we live in. Main of all in Latin, Latin America, uh, in Brazil, uh, women f have to fight a lot for their rights and for their place in society, but I think it's uh, in the whole world. 
uh, I think uh, we that live in the Americas, no, United States, Brazil, we are privileged because if we compare ourselves to the rest uh, of the world, uh, we women are very privileged here yeah. because we face some, some struggles like um, having to deal with prejudice when we are working, when we achieve high positions and so on. But we don't suffer the same thing of people in Africa, for mm -hmm. example, yeah. where they have uh, to, to fight for a minimum freedom of going on the streets with their hair outside and yeah. things like that. So it's complicated to be a woman. And I love to talk about strong women that uh, find their place in the world, in the mm -hmm. world, no matter what. Yeah. And we've spoke with in the past week, I, I do probably about six to seven interviews a day. Um, and the past week we've had several uh, women on and that's exactly what they do. They, uh, one of them uh, speaks on postpartum depression and encourages women and does courses and groups that way to help women after pregnancy uh, cope with some of that. And then uh, we had another woman on there and that's literally what she does is she helps women get through anger uh, as well as get past the, the social bias as well as just our society's bias. Um, and, and so those two were very encouraging because what they do is exactly that. They, they empower women um, to overcome and they empower women to understand that, that we're at a day and age where uh, women are equal to men. And, and, and I've said it before on my show that I feel there, there's a, 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 on some level, women are more powerful or more dynamic than men. Um, and, and that's not to take away from, from the equal balance of gender. But at the end of the day, women really do have a, a hard struggle between how our society has put them in a box for being a mother and having to take care of a household all these years and decades. And, and, and then the fight that they have in their careers, trying to move up the ladder in a career and, and sustain uh, even equal pay uh, as opposed to their male counterparts. And um, it, it is really empowering that in the year 2020, we can see the changes that are going on, not just in our nation, but around the world, where even in Africa, there, there's women that are standing up and, and organizing to ask for these equal rights or get these equal rights. Uh, we see a lot of it in even some of the Muslim countries where there's women that are trying to stand up and say, look, we're, 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 we think enough's enough. We should be able to have some freedoms more than what you're allowing us. And at the end of the day, they should have all the same freedoms that any other human being should have. Yes, uh, and if women help women, yes. uh, things are going to improve. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's, it's that we have, we have to help women. I don't believe in princess, and I don't believe in all dependent women. Uh, all my characters show that strong mm -hmm. women, strong yep. women struggling because uh, it's not a fairy tale. Life is not a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Life is real. Problems yep. are real. Everybody uh, struggles uh, to survive in this world in some way, one way or other. Uh, but in the end, we must be strong, independent of our gender, independent of what we believe. We just need to be strong, believe in ourselves, and main of all, uh, think in a, maybe a little bit in a selfish way. We have to love ourselves. Yes. 
And when we do that, when we accomplish that task, we are able to, to help other people. Yes. So, and, 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 you know, there's nothing better. We, we've spoke on this as well on this on the show about, you know, it, it's okay to take a moment for yourself. Um, and, and as a mother, as, as a mother taking care of kids at the household while maybe the spouse is working or maybe, you know, they're a single mom. Um, it is okay to take 15 minutes or more for yourself. It is okay to take that break and embrace some self-care. And it's okay, um, you, we hear a lot about, you know, uh, maybe a woman wants to go to the salon and get her nails done. Maybe she wants to just go take a vacation. Um, these are all things that, that are perfectly good and healthy. And they're things that you should do, all of us should do. We should all take a minute to step outside of the stressful world we live in and embrace some self-care, uh, taking care of ourselves. Um, and that means, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, um, in every way. If you do that, uh, and in the end of the day, we had that moment for us, main of all to try to understand who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when we get to a certain age, when we pass 40, my, my case, I already passed 50. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we need to find that person that we avoid ourselves. Yeah. And to, to really do that ego trip to understand ourselves, we need a moment mm -hmm. to meet that person and to allow ourselves to be who we are. And when we discover who we are, oh my God, we can help so many people because uh, our self-esteem is good. Uh, we don't enter in unuseful discussions. We just go on and think that's good, that's bad, and that's good for me that I can't stand. Yeah. But now I know what I need to be happy. I want the rest of the world to be happy, to mm -hmm. to achieve peace, inner peace. It's not some something that you say, oh, inner peace is great. Inner peace is the best sensation mm -hmm. ever. Yes. When, oh, uh, I'm a very hyperactive person. I can't stop. I do many, many, many things. And when I could uh, achieve that goal of being a peaceful person that can see the world and not get so angry with things it was the best moment of my life mm -hmm. and yeah. now i can help people I, I try to help people to do the same yeah and that's you know that's kind of where um you know this month we've taken a lot of time on the show in the past two weeks i've done a lot of social media platform just live uh jump on live real quick and i'll just kind of get on the camera and just kind of explain things that are on my mind and my heart and, and that's one of the biggest things we've been working on right now is with Mental Health Awareness Month, we've really been pushing, um, encouraging our audience members to reach out and touch one person each day. One person. It doesn't have to be a family member. It doesn't have to be someone you know. It can be a stranger. It can be something as simple as holding a door, giving a compliment, smiling. Uh, if you're in a drive through restaurant and you drive through the drive through just purchase the meal behind you and drive away. Um, there's just so many opportunities we have in each day to affect somebody else's life. And like you discussed earlier with uh, abused children, um, you know, there's people we pass on a daily basis and we could be passing somebody who is either an abused spouse or an abused abuser. 
And by us interacting or touching or reaching into their life, but with even a smile, even a compliment, even just a conversation for a moment, we remove that person from the pain they're going through. Or maybe, you know, uh, maybe it's a child we, we see and just kind of have a, a short conversation while they're walking with their parent and just happen to pass in passing. And those little moments like that in life can really change somebody's whole perspective in one minute, in one day, in one second. And so I've been encouraging that a lot. Um, I, I, I'm at a point in my life where I've taken a, a real close look at myself and been doing a lot of self-evaluation for probably the course of about six years now. And I've taken time now to where I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to share what I've got gained and what I've learned. And while I'm still doing it and I'm still improving who I am, I, I'm encouraging everyone around me to do the same um, because it only takes a small, it only takes a small person to make a little bit of change and, th and that impacts to make a bigger change. And, and, you know, while a lot of people feel trapped in their, in, in their situation, uh, they, with the, the pandemic, with COVID, they could be depressed, they could be suicidal. Um, there's, there's a lot of things in our world that has changed instantly just this year. And so I, I really try to reach out and encourage everyone to engage uh, everybody when, when you can, if you can. And, and to be genuine about it, you know, when you, when you engage someone in conversation, you want to be genuine and you want to be intentional. You don't just want to say hi or small talk. You want to genuinely know how they are. If you ask someone how they are, are you asking how they are because you want to know genuinely if they're okay? Or are you just asking how they are in small talk and then you're going to walk away? Um, so I've been encouraging very intentional conversation with, with others. And so uh, what, what that looks like is, you know, uh, it could be a coworker. Your, your a coworker could be struggling for something. You might've worked with the person for 10 years and they're struggling and you just don't know it, but what they have to deal with when they get home is horrible. And just taking a moment to genuinely ask them who they are, how they are, what, they, what you can do to help, and, and it may be nothing. Maybe, maybe they are fine. Maybe they're the happiest person in the world. They just kind of have a somber face on all the time. But it's okay to ask people how they are, it, it, as long as we're not intruding. Um, and, and, you know, people are very quick to put up a defense and tell you, you know, hey, you know, enough's enough. I don't, I don't need your help. But to be genuine and ask, and, and, and from the heart, ask someone how they are. And, and, and then, Engage them in a, in a conversation uh, if they need that help. It's okay to do that, but it's also just something where kindness doesn't cost a penny. You know, it's not going to, we don't have to go to the bank and pull money out to give somebody our kindness and our heart. And so I've been encouraging that on the show. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking at, I was reading about your career as a lawyer, and we were discussing a little bit before the show how you used to, you know, you're basically writing the story for, and, and in that country different, you're writing it for the judge versus a prosecutor and a defense attorney uh, trying to, to, to defend that way. And so you've had an opportunity to really look at people's lives and in people's lives, uh, kind of from a backside of it, because you're really, you're engaging in the facts and the details of somebody's life. So um, how has some of the cases you've worked impacted your life? Uh, main of all, I've learned uh, during my legal career uh, to listen to people because we are in a world that everybody wants to talk, nobody wants to listen. And uh, I learned not to judge because behind every person and every behavior, uh, there is 
always something that comes from the past, a trauma, a drama, a betrayal that makes that person behave in this or that way. And I've learned to try to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. I've learned to try to listen, to understand why that behavior is happening. So uh, I've learned a lot during my career because lawyers are a little little bit like priests. Mm -hmm. A client arrives and he has tons of problems and he tells you his main problem. You start helping with that and suddenly he's telling you his whole life. Yes. And you, I can say it's hard to say that because we are used to uh, divide the humanity in good people and bad people. Mm-hmm. When we learn there is no such a thing. There are people that they do bad things, mm-hmm. uh, they behave in a bad way, but the background they had, they couldn't be different. And if you give your hand, if you listen, if you try to help, many, many people can change. As you said before, uh, as Lovis Godmother for Abused Children, I usually take under my wings one or two uh, teenagers or even adults that were abused while uh, in their childhood and i listen to them i just do that so they must report to me every day in the morning feelings yes i'm feeling this or that way and so for five ten minutes i tell them what is happening and they open you are right about that they Mm -hmm. open after a while they tell me uh what happened uh how was the abuse how they feel about the abuse and I'm able to rationalize with them uh, the feelings they have uh, that are not real mm-hmm. and what is real. And I've seen a, a healing process that is beautiful. There is really, really wonderful when you just listen to someone. Mm-hmm. So it's really to be kind and kind costs nothing at all. Yep. And in the end of the the day, I am the winner because in the end of the day, the good I did is so better for me than for the other person because I feel, okay, I did a good thing today and to do good things is good, feels good. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at at, at, at like, you know, right. It's kind of just, I guess, a chapter of my life now where that's where I want to be. Um, I truly enjoy um, helping other people and not just because I get to see the satisfaction of their life change, but it changes me. It helps me be a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better friend to the people I love. Um, And and so that's the real thing for me right now is when I, when I can step outside of myself to help someone else and watch them grow, uh, it helps me grow. And when I'm growing, I'm setting an example for my son and I'm hoping that he becomes a better person. Um, and, and so these are all things that, you know, while, while it seems like such a, such a small thing, uh, it, it's so impactful and to be able to be, you know, be able to help people that can't help themselves sometimes or to help somebody that doesn't even know I'm helping them, um, it, it, it does bring great joy. And at the same time, 
it's something I didn't have growing up and I'm so glad that I can be able to offer it um, because it's not the example I had growing up. Um, and so it's kind of almost in a way with my journey, it's kind of breaking the chains of what, what I went through as a, as a kid or through my younger days to be able to be a better person or a better human than maybe some of my family was to me. Um, and so, you know, kind of breaking the dysfunction, I guess. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, again, kindness, it doesn't cost anything for it, for any of us to just treat people better than we, we want to be treated, um, at the end of the day. Um, what is, where are you at now? What are you in the United States now? No, no, I'm in Brazil. Right and you're now. in Brazil still. Okay. How yes. is it down there with, with all the COVID stuff? I mean, are you guys in lockdown? Are you guys doing okay down there? Uh, it's complicated because uh, it all became into a political game. Right. Yeah. And uh, some bad politicians are using the COVID uh, uh, to do cor corrupted acts, uh, mm -hmm. policies, arresting lots of politicians because they use money for COVID for God knows what. Right. Uh, there are people trying to do the right thing. There is a lot of unemployment. Yeah. Uh, a lot of economical problems due mm -hmm. to the COVID. I think it's the same for the whole world. Yeah, I think this has really become a political weapon around the globe. Yeah, I'm a corporate lawyer, so I've been trying to help uh, companies to survive in the yeah. middle of a huge crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to help them to save jobs. Yeah, Our government was very good on that. They really uh, did some labor laws that allowed to keep the jobs, mm -hmm. helping uh, companies not to pay so many taxes. So uh, our, our federal government was very good. Giving the, the incentives for the companies to keep being able to employ people, yeah. Yes, uh, lots of incentives. But the problem is, uh, the, the state governments, they are in a huge political dispute and they use the COVID for everything that is not illicit. Um, I know many people, many depressed people. Mm -hmm. uh, depressed is very corrupted also in Brazil. So they show numbers that are not real. Right. Uh, we are dealing with COVID for eight months now and I still don't know anybody that had COVID. Yeah, and we hear that a lot here. Um, that, that's been a big thing here as well. And when you watch TV, uh, it looks like all Brazilians are dying from COVID and it's mm -hmm. not true. Uh, people are, are taking their lives the way they could. Uh, it's complicated because uh, some people are very depressed about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, but, it's... Uh, and and I see some people they are they are losing uh, their minds about that. So they are not caring anymore. They are going to the beaches and they are uh, partying because yep. so the lockdown made them so depressed. Yep. Now they are getting crazy about that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we see we see overseas in uh, the UK, in Europe, Australia, even where they've been so even Australia where they've been so strict, they're arresting citizens for even talking about having gatherings, even going online and just talking about it. They're arresting people there. Uh, the UK they have literally people that are in an, a complete anti-government lockdown uh, protest. So they're 
daily people protesting the government locking them down and at the same time the government is then they've, they've now authorized the use of lethal weapons so they can actually shoot protesters who will not listen and pay attention and they're doing that in china as well due to this lockdown and it's just crazy like you said um it's become a political thing um there, while people are getting sick it, it really is it, like anything else in the world if you're if you're gonna get sick and die from something you're gonna get sick and die from something and no matter what government, what, whether you shut everything down or you open everything up, that's not going to change whether that one person's going to get ill or not. Um, people's immune systems are all different. How we take care of ourselves, how we eat, how, you know, if we're healthy, these are all dynamics. Of course, we want to protect our elderly. Of course, we want to protect the young and ourselves as well. But, but this, this virus has become such a political tool that like you said uh, a lot of people don't know anybody that got sick i happen to know several people that did get sick uh, one one got pretty severely sick um, but he was also fighting cancer and going through chemotherapy so his immune system was already down and he admitted that you know he said you know i got this this is why i got it and while i'm trying to go through therapy to get back on track he's like um you know it is real but it's not going to change the way i feel about the world and our freedoms and, you know, I kind of feel the same way. And I, I believe me and my wife, we're pretty sure back in December, we had it um, when, when it first started going around. We're pretty sure we had a, a case of it, but it wasn't, again, it, it didn't put us in the hospital. We weren't on respirators. We, we had some respiratory issues. Uh, for me, it went away with, I uh, went to the doctor and got some steroid shots. It went away. My wife, she had antibiotics. It went away. Um, and I think it's partially, you know, just lifestyle. You know, we, we eat good, we exercise, we, we take care of ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I think that we've, we've, we've had, and I, I know Brazil and many other countries, South America as well, have had, you know, outbreaks of certain viruses or diseases. And we've all had it around the world for decades and hundreds of years, we've heard a history of, of different diseases. And, and this is the only one we've ever locked down for. And, and I think it was the wrong response because it has impacted so many businesses, so many lives, uh, businesses going bankrupt, families losing homes. Um, it, it's, it's really, I think, gotten out of hand uh, to the point where it's like, at some point you like, do we hold the government accountable for the actions they took? Uh, yes, I, I think the same. Uh, because uh, it's not the answer to lock down everything. No in my opinion at least and i'm i totally agree with you because nobody knows exactly how this disease is mm -hmm. but we know we have a good immunological system uh, it's going to be better on you mm -hmm. and I, i'm a little bit fatalist if i have to catch and die I, it's my time i'm going to catch and die yeah and that's kind of yeah. how i am too i'm like if i'm gonna get something and get sick it's it's gonna be my body's reaction to getting better I do my best to take care of myself. I work out five times a week. I, I eat well, I sleep well. I try to do my best, but if I catch, it was my moment to catch mm -hmm. the lesson because I always see in every obstacle I have to overcome in my life, a lesson. Yeah. Nothing happened in my life because because oh my god the world is cruel uh why that happened to me it happened because on that moment or years later i understood the lesson mm -hmm. and it's going to be another one 
but the it desperates me to see how people uh, how they are dealing the governments are dealing with that and and to turn everything into a political game my god it's every human life cares it's important yes. you have to care of yeah. everyone you can use anything any life as a any life as a game yeah it, it's dirty to do mm -hmm. that and it's sad to know, uh, you know, while all this is going on, because it is political, um, at the end of the day, that, that, that people are going to still vote for the same people that are using this to affect their lives. You know, there's still people are going to run out there and vote for this guy or that guy um, over, you know, something that affected their life so impactful. And, and, and to me, why would I go vote for somebody who is contributed to this nightmare of a pandemic we've had to live through. So yeah, that's just one of those things, uh, you know, I, I can't get behind the pandemic. I think locking, doing the lockdown is counterproductive to mental health. I think uh, when you lock people into their home where they're unable to access gyms and exercise and keep themselves healthy, you're actually making it worse to where they potentially will get sick, um, not just mentally, but physically as well. Um, it's just not healthy. And I think I think we've all I think the, the world has taken a bad approach to this. Um, and I think I think uh, while being in a political year and a political climate in most nations, um, I think that's what made this lockdown happen. And I think it's been used uh, totally in a nefarious way. And I think it's horrible. Um, you know, so the, the innocent loss of lives that didn't have to happen, you know, potentially due to the, you know, locking people down. And in New York, we know they locked people into nursing homes, which made a lot of the elderly get sick and die. And so it's like their reaction to this and the way they handled it was, was to me, totally, totally nonsense. Um, yeah, it's almost a genocide. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's kind of how you got to look at it. Now, I'm also, I, I was looking that I was interested. Now, you speak four different languages. Yes, Portuguese is my native language. I speak French, English, and Spanish. That's huge. That's huge. My uh, my step or my sister-in-law speaks. I don't know which ones exactly, but she speaks five different languages. She's a teacher, and um, uh, it just just amazes me when people can communicate that way because. In the world we live in, it's important to be able to communicate not just with people of your native language, but to be able to communicate with everybody. And that's what brings unity. And so have you ever have you ever had an opportunity to use any of the languages you speak across the board to really bring unity or or maybe encourage a situation to work out better? Oh, uh, I travel a lot. I'm always in contact, always foreigners. And uh, in small ways, as you say, yeah. I could help. Uh, people in other countries while I'm traveling, I see people struggling, always buying a ticket or buying something. Mm -hmm. I say, hey, I speak the language. Can I help you? I saw you are We can do that a lot. Yeah. And if you can communicate in different languages, it's amazing how much you can help. Yeah. This shelter for abused children, for example, I was uh, telling you, it's in Paraguay. It's a neighbor country. Mm -hmm. Uh, that speaks Spanish. Yeah. So it's where I help people, and from minimum, from helping one small thing to a big one, language help you. Yeah. Language, language uh, when you know a foreign language, 
you already eliminate a barrier between you and different cultures, a different understanding of life. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I for a while I started studying Spanish, uh, and this was many years ago, and I got to the point where, and I still kind of, I can, I can hear it and understand it, but I can't really speak it well, and, and I think that's partially I didn't follow through and keep, and I, I wasn't surrounding myself with people that spoke it fluently, so I kind of lost that. Um, but, but like exactly what you just said, it breaks down a barrier and it enables you to be able to communicate and understand a, a different culture in the way they understand and perceive you. And so you get to really kind of see from both sides how, how this culture thinks and perceives. And then you also get to share how you do with them. Um, it, it, I, I always encourage people to go try to learn a new language. Um, I think it's something that's important. Um, to step outside of our comfort zone and try to, you know, educate ourselves into another culture. Um, and, and that just starts with something as simple as learning another language. And I think that's cool to be able to speak for is, is awesome. You know, I mean, that's an amazing thing. It's wonderful to, to, to learn how the world thinks mm -hmm. and things so different from us sometimes. But uh, as I said before, uh, I never judge. I always try to understand why. Yep. Why this culture behaves in this way? How can I help them to be different? Or what can I learn to incorporate into my culture and make me a better person? Yeah. Uh, it's basically to have an open mind. I consider myself a very open-minded person. I travel a lot since I was a kid, and uh, I studied contracts in France. I've been doing research at Columbia's Law Library for my thesis, my master thesis. I was a professor of law. So all that brought me a vision of respect. Main mm -hmm. of all, I think the main word of all that is just respect people the way they are. Yeah. And if you can help, you you help. Uh, if you cannot, uh, just let them be themselves. Don't try to change anybody. Is mm -hmm. the worst way for their hearts. Yeah. So are you accept or you move on? Mm -hmm. But don't change people. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's, it's important that we exactly what you just said. It's important that we embrace people and understand them right where they are. And we encourage to help where we can help, but it's not our job to change what the direction of that person's life is. That's really the choice they need to make. Um, but it, it is really important to, to just love and encourage people right where they're at. You know, some people, like you said, it's not about judging them. It's literally about maybe you can offer them some different options that they maybe haven't thought about. Um, and, and a person could be stuck in this lifestyle and another person in another lifestyle. And while they may struggle with two different things, um, it, it, the, the most important thing is that we love them for who they are and where they are and what they're doing. Uh, if their decisions are bad, we don't have to care about the decisions, but we do have to try to encourage. And um, it, it, we live in a society that's so fast paced that we tend to, uh, move on from relationships, whether it's friendships or, or, or marriages even. We see a lot more divorces going on, but um, we live in a, a society that it's very fast to walk away from somebody with a problem. You know, we see someone in, in, having a struggle and instead of running over to help, we tend to go, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that. And we walk away. 
um, because we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be involved in it. And I think that's where as a society we've kind of failed because if more people took time, even, even a matter of minutes, you know, a, a minute or two to take out of your life to reach into someone else's life and love them right where they're at, I think we'd see a lot more uh, open communication. We'd see less divisiveness. We'd see more people standing up for what they believe in while other people encourage them to follow their dream. Whereas now, you know, people's dreams are being kind of buried because nobody wants to, to, to even engage a conversation. We all, you know, nowadays we live in the society with the cell phones and everybody's got their phone. And unfortunately, you know, that's taken away from that, that natural human instinct to communicate, to seek companionship and fellowship. And so we'd rather talk on our phone than actually, uh, you know, text or email versus actually engage in an actual conversation. And I, I, I think it does a disservice for the personal connection we have with other humans. Uh, I think most of all, nowadays, in my opinion, people don't, don't know what real love is. Mm -hmm. They love because someone is like this, but in the moment they know the person and they see this person has some issues, some problems, they don't love anymore. Mm -hmm. And to love is to love uh, everything you mm -hmm. love because someone is great nice wonderful beautiful but you also love because uh, this person uh, has issues and it's uh, the whole thing that we we have to see but people just move on as you said yeah. it's easier to move on uh, I, I, I myself I can tell my experience I've, I'm on my third marriage and the first two marriages, I was exactly like that before I learned. I married very early in my life. I divorced very early, married again and divorced again because I was thinking the world was a fairy tale and people should be perfect. And when I had to face imperfections, I just moved on. Yeah. Until I learned I was going to move on for the rest of my life. If I couldn't understand what real love is, and it's all about, and not only in marriages, but uh, in all our relationships, uh, friendship, uh, family, business, you have to understand, you have uh, to accept people are not like you. It's yeah. easy to love someone just like us, mm -hmm. but it's not easy when someone presents a challenge. Yep. Yeah, we need to, you know, that's, that's, that's real. You bring up a great point is you really got to love people as well for their bad traits. And, and by bad, I don't mean like a flawed trait. I mean, some people just have things that they do that's different than us. And, and to us, that may seem like a bad thing. But when you love somebody, especially somebody you're going to marry or, or as a spouse, you have to learn to love even their flaws, even the, even the things they do that may annoy you. If you if you want to be with that person and genuinely love on them and, and spend your life with them, the things they do that make you mad are still the things you have to learn to love. Um, you don't have to like it. They can work on changing it. But at the end of the day, uh, that's that's part of that whole mutual, uh, you know, coming together and, and working things out as a, as a couple. And, and that goes both ways. And, and so it's very important to, to love people. Nobody's perfect. And we need to love people for even their flaws. Um, you know, and obviously not unhealthy flaws, but you know, some people just have, have things that the way they were raised or certain things they are 
they've just become. And, and we have to learn to love people for who they are. Um, I know I have a lot of friends that, that growing up that were just absolutely annoying, you know, and, and everybody even to this day is like, man, don't invite him over. You know, that guy is so annoying and they're still, they're my friends and I still engage them. And while they're annoying, I love them for being the annoying friend. Uh, I love them for being the person that can literally separate everybody in the crowd because no one wants to be around them. I care about them for being that person. And it's, it's hard to do. And it's taken many years for me to get older and real, real, recognize that even the people that are the hardest to love need love too. And, and so I've reached a point where I understand that. And I reached a point where, you know, the hardest people to love are the ones that sometimes need the most love. And, and, and that's been a real challenge. And I think at some point in my life, I think there's probably been several times in my life where I was that person. I was the hard one to love because I was maybe the annoying person. Um, and so it, it, it's great sometimes to really, and I do it a lot is take a reflection, just look in the mirror. And sometimes it's just, I look in the mirror and I see myself and I say, you know, these are things I would like to change. And these are things that I don't feel I need to change. These are things that make me who I am. And I love me for being that guy. Um, and other people that can't, that's their choice not to love me for those things. Um, but we, you know, you just don't let it be personal. Um, you know, you can't, you can't let things be personal in life. Um, life's too short you know, to, to, to dwell on things that are totally out of our control. Um, so I want to know where, where are you going? Are you starting to research for a new book? Are you, what are some of the things you're, you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? Like what are some of your goals that you have set now that you're hoping to get in place? I'm writing a fifth book. Okay. Uh, almost finished it. So I'm doing lots of research and, uh, uh, it's going to be the sequel to Sketches of Life. Uh, I can't stop writing once, <laughs> once I start. That's a, that's a good, healthy addiction, though. Yes, it is. But uh, my dream, my main dream now is to transform uh, my books into movies. Yeah, that would be uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, many, many reviews I had, uh, people say, Oh, it would be a great movie. It's, it's going to be great on the big screen. So it, it's one of my goals. I still don't know how I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. But as I did with everything in my life, I know I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes <laughs> the work. The yep. I don't know the way. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But definitely, I'm going to be there one day. Yeah. And I think, I think continuing to spread the word and, and to share your books and on platforms like this and other platforms, I think that's going to put you uh, where you're more exposed to be able to be seen. And uh, as we know, with the COVID thing, everything's kind of slow right now. But as the COVID thing lifts, we know they're going to start filming new movies. All these things are going to keep taking place that have been. And hopefully that opportunity comes up. That would be really cool and amazing to see some of these books or all of these books become movies. Yes, uh, we have a common friend, Max. And uh, mm -hmm. we all we have a joke between us. We say, oh, don't worry about that. Just remember, red carpets are on our ways. <laughs> <laughs> we we already have a deal. If he goes to red carpets with his books, or if I go, we are going each other plus one. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's our dream and whenever uh, things are tough for him or for me we, we just say close your eyes imagine yourself on that red mm -hmm. carpet and everything's going to be all right so. yes yeah and and it is you know and that's that that's awesome to be able to just to think positive like that you have to and and you know you've accomplished so much in your life that you've shared with us and you've obviously spent so much time you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how long it really takes to research and, and make a book. Um, but you, you've, you've got, you, you're on going on to your fifth book now. That takes a lot of time and a lot of research and a lot of work. And, and when you work hard, these things always work out. And so I look forward to seeing this in the, on, the, on the big screen. And, and I look forward to getting a copy of, I'm going to start going through and grabbing copies. I read, uh, my wife loves to read, my son's a big reader. Um, but I'm going to reach out, try to get one of these copies of, of your first book and start start in on it. I'm going to send one for you, okay? That would be fine too. I, I usually I usually end up getting a book from from whoever I speak with because I just I love reading, so I would enjoy checking it out and, and getting into the story. I hope you enjoy, and I love uh, I love true opinions about mm -hmm. my books. I think every time someone tell me something uh, they didn't like, uh, things like that, I improve. Yeah. So I'm very open to criticism. I, I don't care uh, about different opinions. I, I just try to improve. Yeah. And uh, um, it's going to be an honor to send a novel for you. Yeah, and it's good to have, it's good to have feedback too. So it's always good, especially being an author uh, or, or really anything that you do that presents something to an audience. Uh, to get feedback. So you always know how to improve or where to improve things. Um, I look forward to getting you back on the show in the future. Uh, when that fifth book comes out, we'll, we'll get you back on here for sure. Um, if anything changes in your life or there's any updates that you'd like to share with us, you, you're more than welcome to, to reach out to me again and we'll get you back on. Thanks a lot for having me, Dan. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important for us authors to talk about our work and it was a pleasure to talk to you. For sure. And I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. You have a great day. Have a great day. Yep. There we go.